Hello guys and welcome to Watson Premier League 17th match day we have midweek games and all three big teams won in the weekend so let's see what we have these days of course with Tom Rennie and with you leave a comment below with your tips and predictions and don't forget press the like button subscribe to our channel and click on the bell to get notifications and now let's go on with the show This is non-stop in the Premier League. Uh, we have a new match day, the 17th, and all top three teams are winning. And we have Tom. How are you, Tom? I'm doing very well. I'm glad there's more football. I enjoyed that seven minutes I had off. Exactly. Only Monday we could rest of Premier League, but we have more games on Tuesday. We have three games, actually, on Tuesday. So let's start with uh, Man United, actually. Man United traveling to London to face uh, to face Brentford, who got another victory, actually, against Watford. So now they are away again from the relegation. It's, it looks like they, uh, they came over from the problems they had a couple of weeks ago. But Man United, uh, Tom, I'm not sure if you are like in this new Man United, it's true that they won both games with Ravnik, but suffering, especially against Norwich, and we didn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, let's start first with Brentford briefly, because Friday night football was a fantastic result for them against Watford. I uh, didn't see it coming. I thought Watford controlled long spells of the game, but what we've seen a lot from Brentford this season, which is why it's well worth looking at the late goal market for Brentford every week, last 10 minutes, is that they have a, a tremendous will a tremendous will to get back into games. And that's how they managed to beat Watford on Friday night. They had belief they were always going to get something from that game. And again, you look at the injury list they've got currently at Brentford. Ayer, Jorgensen, uh, Tony still missing with COVID, Canyos, Raya, Pinnock, uh, De Silva, one or two others. That's maybe six of players that would start in the game against Watford on Friday and against Manu on Tuesday. But they have enough to believe they can get something from games and they deserve to win in the end against Watford. Against Manchester United on Tuesday, I was doing the Man United game against Norwich on Saturday and I was not impressed at all. How could anyone have been impressed by Manchester United? Um, Marcus Rashford's not a striker. Another manager's come in and tried to make that happen. It's not a thing. Stop trying to make fetch happen, Gretchen. It's not going to happen. So you've got to get Greenwood alongside Ronaldo because Greenwood is a striker and Rashford isn't. Bruno Fernandes looks a bit lost at the moment, positionally. Not quite sure what he's trying to achieve in this Manchester United team, being shunted out to a wide position. But the funny thing is, for other players, it's going great. Fred, Fred looks brilliant. He looks fantastic in this team right now. Finally playing in a position where I think he's got a bit more freedom to be a central midfielder and not a defensive midfielder. And his impact on the game is growing. His confidence is growing. So I thought he's been playing really well. Same with McTominay as well. So some players are benefiting from Rangnick, others certainly are not. But it's true to say that unless Ronaldo was canny, unless he was someone who played, how many, many games he played? Eight million? You know, he's played so many games, he knows how to win a penalty, he knows how to manipulate a situation. And he manipulated 21-year-old Max Ahrens on Saturday, got that penalty, and that's why they won the game. Without that, they would not have beaten lowly Norwich. So it's not quite clicking as yet. To this game, um, United favourites, but not big favourites, which tells you a lot. Um, you look at around four to one, five to one for Brentford, around two to one for Manchester United. But Brentford, well within a shout here. But I've been looking at the draw market. The draw oh. market is around fours, and Brentford have a superior will to Manchester United. United have the quality, 
But Norwich showed if you're willing to fight Manchester United, you can get something in it. So I'd be looking at the draw. I'd be looking at Man United to win, but low scoring. Um, and as ever with Man United, if they are going to get something, Ronaldo scores. So double all your results up with a Ronaldo goal and there's money to be made. Mm, if Man United wins, actually they will slip in the top four. But uh, right now they are fifth. Uh, West United are in Champions League spots. Then we have Norwich, Aston Villa and checking the odds for this match day. If I follow your <laughs> strategy all over this Premier League season, actually back in Aston Villa, give us good odds, 2.35. They got a defeat against Liverpool, but uh, mm. they compete, of course. So why not going for these great odds? No, I would say 2.35. Yeah, take it. Take it, absolutely. I'll be back in Aston Villa to win this game. Briefly on Norwich, I was impressed by them actually against Man United, as I mentioned. Uh, Kenny McLean, really impressive. I really like the performance of Dimitri Yanoulis, who played at left back. I thought he was really, really impressive. Uh, one or two other really good performers in there as well for, for Norwich City. But who's going to score the goal? How do they work it through the thirds? That final ball was atrocious. Atrocious from Norwich. And, and that's why they were unable to score against Manchester United. For Aston Villa, I think they should have had a penalty at Anfield when Alisson clearly fouls Danny Ings, wasn't given. Um, I think the, the penalty given to Mo Salah was fair, but one of those harsh ones. And it took that to beat Aston Villa. It took that to get the ball past Emi Martinez, who again has been outstanding for Aston Villa in goal. So look into this game. Don't back Norwich to win. I always say that. Don't back Norwich to score. I don't always say that, but I'll go with that now. Aston Villa to win without conceding at least two goals in this game uh, and back the clean sheet for Emi Martinez because Norwich have not got what it takes to beat this Aston Villa goalkeeper. The odds are even higher now, so good idea to back uh, Aston Villa in Carroll Road. Then also on Tuesday we have Man City Leeds and I'm actually surprised to see the odds for the outright market title in the Premier League. Uh, Man City is huge favourite, 1.62 to win the Premier League, even if the Premier League table is really compressed. And for sure for this game, uh, 1.18 only to beat these leads that they've improved uh, in the last weeks, still five points only above relegation. But they showed in Stamford Bridge that they are competing again. Yeah, I mean, with Manchester City, I think that they weren't great against Wolverhampton Wanderers at the weekend, who are a very good defensive unit. It took a penalty which should not have been awarded at all for them to beat 10 man Wolverhampton Wanderers. I mean, it hit clearly uh, Matinho on his body, then maybe ricocheted off his arm. Arm is in an unnatural position, sure, but the rules say if it ricochets off your body and hits your arm, it's not a penalty. It didn't meet the criteria. It was frankly a disgraceful decision from the VAR and the referee to give it. That's how Man City won it. And apart from that, they struggled again against a team who does the low block, a team who sits real deep and puts seven bodies in their own penalty area. And they have had an outball in, in Traore as well, which occasionally they tried to release. But when Jimenez gets that nonsense, idiotic sending off that he got for himself, um, it, it became defence against attack and it took that dodgy penalty for them to win it. So there are some concerns about Man City. So I'm surprised to hear how favourites they are to win the title because there's, there's some clear issues there with them. Um, not a surprise to see them favourites to win this game. You know, Leeds games... Uh, there was a great line from Thomas Tuchel after they lost against Chelsea and it was like, this is what Leeds games are like. They're crazy. Um, and they are crazy games because they play in their own way and they deserve to get something from the game against Chelsea. But the chaos of the Bielsa style allowed Chelsea to keep backing into it. And that's what's 
of getting back into it. That's what led to the, the penalty, which, which ended up winning it for Chelsea in the end. Like Joe Gilhart, scored his first goal for the club at 19. Good player, Rafinha, up there with one of the best players in the league this season. But still for Leeds, um, there's some definite issues here. No Strout, no Cooper, no Cock. That's the best three centre-halves of the club. No Phillips, no Bamford. Uh, that's probably the two best players, apart from Rafinha at the club. Uh, Rodrigo missing as well. You know, that's after first team missing. You can't miss after first team in the Premier League. So here, Man City win. I think Man City win without conceding. This is your Asian handicap game for midweek, looking at at least 3-0. Now, that's a bit risky yep. because City aren't thrashing teams right now, but they're not thrashing teams who do the low block. Leeds do not do low block. They will back Joe Gelhart to beat Jack Grealish in a one-on-one -on -one encounter in the game. Now, I like Joe Gelhart, for example, but he ain't going to beat Jack Grealish, and that goes to all the matchups that we will see in this game. So at least 3-0 to Man City. And also, if you're going to back Man City any time this season, if you don't do 3-0, you make no money. I think they're even just to win this. Actually, Asian Handicap minus two only pays 1.75. Imagine yeah. how favorites are Man City to win this. Bielsa against Guardiola. One, two coaches that are actually friends, no? And teacher against the pupil, if yeah, we yeah. can call Guardiola like that. Then on Wednesday, we have higher odds in these games. We have Brighton. Wolves, I'm also surprised to see Brighton, this favourite odds, 2.15 to beat Wolves, uh, taking in consideration that these two teams, they don't beat any team in the last weeks and they don't score goals. Brighton, is true that they are rested because they didn't play as we expected, actually, against Tottenham in the weekend, five draws in the last six games. This uh, smells like a draw. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. There are now two rules this season. Number one, back Norwich to lose. Number two, back Brighton to draw. <laughs> they will draw any game against anybody, anytime. I don't know exactly what it is. I think they're a very good side in terms of competing with the opponent. But I think maybe they lack a bit of bravery. They lack some guts in the last five minutes to go on to win a game, risk defeat. I think Graham Potter is a bit of a respect the point kind of guy, which would probably make him quite a good tournament manager in some ways. But I'm not too sure he is going to be a top manager without having that little bit of risk it all to win. Bet it all on a game of pitch and toss. And I don't think he has that in him. And that leads Brighton to lose a, or draw a lot of games. Um, injury issues for Brighton make me doubt that a bit. No Dunk, no Welbeck, of course, no Webster, no Lalana, no Duffy, Samiento, Trossard. You know, that's a lot of really good players missing for this game. Um, and so I had my doubts there. But Wolves very similar. Defensively strong, you know, Kilman, Saiz and Cody's very good. Like the look of, of, of Aitnori and Neves and Matinho. Good players in that Wolves team. But going forward again, where are the goals going to come from? Jimenez suspended for his silly sending off a couple of days ago. This game looks like a duck, smells like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's a duck. It's a goalless draw. That's the only thing I'd be confident to bet on here. Brighton nil, Wolves nil, all sorts of draw, but... I probably won't watch this one. Indeed, uh, probably it's also worth not watching the next one in Tarf Moor. We have Burnley, Watford, and it's been weeks that you are telling us that you like this Watford, that they are doing great, but they can fall into the bottom three if they lose this game at Tarf Moor, where Burnley also were able to stop uh, your West Ham. What do you expect here? I guess not a lot of goals. Uh, I don't expect goals. I expect a lot of tension and drama and not a great deal of quality, truth be told. Look, Burnley 
did their Burnley thing. I feel like I say this to you every week, but this is what they do every week. They tried to stop West Ham for 80 minutes, which they just about did. I think that may have been more down to West Ham's deficiencies going forward at the moment, but they did it. And in the last 10 minutes, they pressed to try and get a winner, which they very nearly did with a late chance for Jay Rodriguez. Um, but Burnley don't look much of a proposition this season. They won't win more than eight games. Now, they're going to be real close this year. They're going to be real close to going down Burnley. Every single game is a battle, but there isn't a great deal of quality there. I think Max Cornet might come back in. He just missed the West Ham game. That could be a difference maker for Burnley, but he's maybe their only difference maker. For Watford, I do keep saying it to you every week, and they're annoying me now, Watford, because I don't know why they're not winning more games, not picking up more points. In Emmanuel Dennis, they've got the, the second most creative striker in the league. Um, he's playing fantastically well, setting up goals, scoring goals. You know, when you've got a goal threat, you've normally got a chance. The issue is they're playing Truce de Kong at centre-half because Nicholas and Kulu is missing. And Truce de Kong every week, even if he has a good game, makes a bit of a howler. And that's the issue. Watford play well. Someone makes an error. They go on to lose or not win when they should. Now, I'm going to be bold here and say Watford win. Mm. I'm going to be bold and say Watford win here because... I think Watford have goal-scoring threats. I think Watford have shown some real green shoots in recent weeks. And I think Watford are a team who know how to win a game like this. For Burnley, if they fall behind, I think it's over for them. It's a real first goal wins. If you can back, uh, open the scoring and win, I would do it. But I would say Watford win it. And I'm looking at low scoring. Watford win, 1-0. Watford win without conceding. And a massive, massive result. And, and if anyone scores it, it'll be Emmanuel Dennis. If you want an insurance, actually, what for Asian Handicap Zero? We have odds 2.63. So if there is a draw, that can happen. Why not? You get your money back with this odds 2.63. If what for wins, 3.65. It would open actually a big gap with the bottom three because uh, Norwich and Newcastle, they have very tough games, these uh, midweek games. So this is a key game for the relegation. Burnley, Watford, interesting one as well. Crystal Palace, Southampton, because Southampton, they can get in danger. They are winless in the last five games. They lost 3-0 against Arsenal, five points away from the relegation right now. And Crystal Palace, uh, Balancia, Crystal Palace, they bounce back against Everton. They were suffering in the previous weeks. Uh, we have good odds also if we like Crystal Palace here or another draw, perhaps. Um, double chance Palace draw is what I'd look at here. I wouldn't be going near Southampton right now. You know, the game against Arsenal for them was indicative of the season. There were some interesting moments. Uh, Ralph Hasenhutter had a three-piece suit on to start the game. He had a big black coat on to end it, so he changes his outfit like Cher in games. You know, there's lots of really good things about Southampton in terms of um, their potential and their organisation, but the squad is, is just not strong enough. And the injury issues, you know, Caballero in goal, I know it's emergency cover. What were they going to do? I'm sure someone else will come in in January, but uh, to not have McCarthy, I don't think it's a great goalkeeper. To not have Forster, but I don't think it's a great goalkeeper, but that's their, their first two. There's a big issue. Romeo is missing, Salisu missing, Adams, Armstrong, Brogia, or Broya. I'm led to believe that's how you say his name now. Uh, and Stuart Armstrong missing. A whole bunch of players missing for Southampton. So I don't expect much from them at the moment. I don't expect much from them over Christmas. I think they're going to be in relegation battle come the end of Christmas. Um, and as for Crystal Palace, important win against Everton, but they weren't great. They weren't great against the Toffees. It took a bit of luck. It took some Everton errors for them to be able to, to win the game. But 
They're a very word, work, uh, hard-working side. They're a very good side. They've got good players. And in, in Conor Gallagher, uh, they have one of the best players in the Premier League this season. His second. Palace's third against Everton was fantastic. But again, came from Everton mistakes. I'm not sure if Southampton will make as many mistakes in a game like this. So, double chance, Palace and draw. He's feeling brave. Go Palace, both teams to score. Crystal Palace Asian Handicap Zero as well pays 1.67. Another option for you if you want higher odds than the double chance. For Crystal Palace, then we have a very interesting game in the north of London. Arsenal West Ham, another chance for the Gunners to get into the battle of the top four after the victory against uh, Southampton. And West Ham, they had a very tough calendar, it's true, but one victory out of the last five Premier League games. This is against uh, supposedly a big team no, of the Premier mm. League, so perhaps we should back uh, West Ham. They only beat right now the top teams. Yeah, I mean, let's start with Arsenal because the Southampton result flattered the Gunners in the end, but what they had was goal threat. And I talk about this a lot with, with, with teams. What's their plan to score a goal? Their plan to score a goal was basically the first goal against Southampton. Have the ball with the goalkeeper, within eight passes, score a goal. You know, it was a perfect Arteta goal from Ramsdale, who nearly lost it in his home penalty area to Lacazette scoring. It was about eight passes and 20 seconds. It was a fantastic goal. Um, and I think they look better without Aubameyang. You know, Aubameyang being banned for disciplinary issues for the second time. You know, he needs to be sold, needs to move on from him. I think Lacazette's a better fit for what Arteta's trying to do. Uh, and we saw that against Southampton. Though defensively, I've still got my doubts. Ramsdale has to make a lot of saves. He has to make a lot of saves for this Arsenal team because they've got holes all over the back line. The midfield, I think, is still a bit weak. Uh, not a big fan of Thomas Partey. Not sure this league's for him. Not the biggest fan of Ben White at centre-half. Do like Tomiyasu. Do like Tierney. Do like Ramsdale. So, green shoot of Arsenal, uh, but still not their absolute best yet, but they're, they're certainly going in the right direction for West Ham. I think similar to Arsenal this season. Some really good moments, some, some pretty rough moments. You mentioned the, the recent form. They beat Liverpool. They beat Chelsea and scored three goals against both of those teams. Couldn't beat Brighton. Lost against Wolves. Couldn't score against Burnley. Mm. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. It's, it's very much what used to happen to Arsenal all the time. Is now kind of been inherited by this West Ham team. The West Ham is still overperforming. They're performing at their maximum a lot. And sometimes when it drops, you get games like the Burnley game where Ben Rama, Antonio and Bowen weren't at their best. Um, and they drop points there. You heard it from David Moyes post-game. I know the levels of these players. I expect them every game. And he didn't get them in the game against Burnley. But I think he will get them here. I think he will get a top performance from these West Ham players because they will know it's a big game. Deccan Rice is sensational. Uh, him and Socek have a tremendous balance. I think that... I don't think Dawson and Diop are a great central defensive pairing. Obviously, they're not in the same league as Ogbonna and Zuma, but they have a good balance to them. One is left-footed, one is right-footed. They look better with that pairing than they did with Dawson and Zuma, for example, because they both play in the same position. So the players are playing in their right position here. Cresswell should be back, which will make a massive difference to West Ham because he actually can set up Antonio, whereas others have struggled to do so. That being, this is a tough one. This is such a tough game. I think that the most likely outcome is a draw. I think the most likely outcome is both teams score in this game. I think both will have spells in this game where they're on top. You get the draw for about four to one. I think I'd make Arsenal just about slight favourites. So I think the bookies do. Around two and a half for Arsenal, around three for West Ham. But I just think West Ham are so hard to beat. They're such a hard team to beat. And with a better midfield than Arsenal, which I think they have, 
an equivalent defence to Arsenal, which they have, but a worse attack than Arsenal on current form. I think that the most likely outcome is a draw with both teams scoring, but I wouldn't go higher than 1-1. Okay, draw 3.76. Right now, both teams to score 1.75. Doesn't pay bad, actually. Both teams to score, so can be our option. Then on Thursday, we have three good games. Uh, Leicester, Tottenham. Finally, Leicester getting a good victory after the Europa League uh, disappointment. 4-0 against Newcastle. And the Spurs is a big question mark, no? Because, of course, the last two games against Rennes and Brighton were cancelled, postponed. So we don't know how they are. Yeah. Uh, with Leicester, massive win against Newcastle. Would they have got it without that dodgy penalty? Uh, I don't know. The first goal was so crucial in games like that, but they did. They went on to smash them. Good to see Tielemans come back in. Good to see Madison hit some form. That's going to be crucial for Leicester. And they found a way to win without Jamie Vardy as well, which we've spoken about a lot and everyone's spoken about for 10 years, pretty much. You know, can they win without Vardy? They now can. But the list of players out is still... You know, people have been getting on Brendan Rodgers' back this season, and you can understand why. There have been some poor performances, but, I mean, listen to this list of players missing. Fafana, Vestergaard, Perez, Lookman, Iannaccio, Amati, uh, Daly Campbell, Benkovic, Justin, Chowdhury, Evans now. That's a lot of players. That's a lot of players. You know, some of that's COVID. Uh, Johnny Evans injured again, which will make immediately Soyuncu a terrible defender. So there's lots of issues now for Leicester City. And for Tottenham Hotspur, a bit of an unknown quantity, but the, the positive about the the COVID absentees they've had, if you, you'll pardon that expression, is that um, Antonio Conte has had time to work with these players, a break from the constant games there are in England. And even if he's not been on the training pitch with them, time to think about what he's going to do, time to assess players, to really work out what he wants to do. And I expect a big performance here from Tottenham. I expect a big comeback performance. Now, look, in terms of COVID, we don't know who's going to come back. So that makes it a risk. But if we work on the assumption that Hung Min Son, Oliver Skip, um, Reguilon, those that apparently had COVID are back, Lucas Moura, two or three others. If they can put out a strong team here, Tottenham, I expect Tottenham to win. I expect Tottenham to go to Leicester City and win because they just have more players back. And those that haven't had COVID have had a two-week rest and Antonio Conte has been able to think it through. And so I would take Tottenham here. Both teams scoring it topsy-turvy game. I've been looking for the goal to have over three goals in it. I really fancy this game to be entertaining, but I think Tottenham will take it with all the caveats that I haven't got a clue who's going to play. Nobody does. Good odds if we are back in the sports. By the way, it's a nightmare, I guess, <laughs> spending two weeks and a half with Antonio Conte <laughs> in the same training pitch. Poor guys, poor guys. And Tom, if you also expect goals, uh, over three goals in this game, 2.3 are the odds. Another option for you. And before I mentioned that Man City odds for winning the Premier League title were very low and Chelsea odds to win the Premier League are very high, in my opinion. 6.0, probably the bookies don't uh, like the latest performance of the Blues. Uh, they are struggling and they are conceding a lot of goals, something very strange in this Tuchel team. Luckily for them, they are <laughs> meeting the Toffees now, so I guess we shouldn't expect them to, dro to drop points. No, I, I wouldn't back Everton here, absolutely. Chelsea to win will be my tip. Um, with Chelsea, I've, I've been at a few of their recent games, obviously watched them on TV as well. Poor against West Ham for long spells. Very poor against Man United creatively. I think the issue is that they are creating chances, but who is taking those chances? At the moment, they're playing like a side that need a centre-forward, but Lukaku wasn't proving to be that forward before he got injured. 
and now he's come back from injury. Tuchel doesn't fancy him for whatever reason. Is it caution? Or is it the fact that Lukaku wasn't doing it beforehand? They looked better last season before they signed Lukaku. They looked better as a unit with Kai Havertz up there. Maybe that's in Tuchel's thinking. So it's something he needs to solve because, again, Chelsea do not win the Premier League unless Lukaku scores 20 goals. And at the moment, he can't get on the pitch to score a goal, which is fascinating at the moment for Chelsea. Defensively as well, you know, everyone's wanging on about how good Antonio Rudiger is. Antonio Rudiger is the least disciplined player in the country. He just runs about doing his own thing. He's basically a new David Luiz. When he does good things, he's like, oh, yeah, he's a brilliant specimen of a, a footballer, great athlete, you know, and he's incredibly aggressive. And so he wins stuff. But then you're like, where is he? What's he doing? Why is he up there? You know, they considered two against Leeds and Rudiger was their best attacker. I don't want my centre-half to be my best attacker. I don't need that. Um, so big issues with Chelsea defensively and you never know what the lineup's going to be. Thiago's in, Thiago's out. Uh, Christensen's in, he's out. You know, is it going to be Saar? Is it going to be Chalaba? I know there's injuries and stuff, but also lots of lots of rotation, which is not quite working. And, and the midfield issues. No, Conte has been a huge blow all season long for Chelsea. It just feels like the injuries are catching up with him and he's probably not going to play in this game either. Maybe not until the new year. For Everton, um, I felt sorry for Rafa at Palace because Richarlison's injured. He's got a calf problem. He couldn't play 90 minutes. He had to take him off. But Richarlison is the only real quality player that Everton have got. But when they took him off at 1-0 down, he's getting booed by the Everton fans. But what could he do? He knew that Richarlison's calf was about to go. If they lose Richarlison for an extended period of time, they are in deep doo-doo, Everton. And Rafa Benitez might not make it uh, to next year as Toffee's boss. Um, this game is going to be a Chelsea win. I wouldn't see him running away with it because Chelsea aren't running away with it right now. Minimum 2-0. Three of you feeling lucky, but I don't see any way Everton are going to score a goal. Mm-hmm. I like Anthony Gordon, but that's about it in terms of players that are going to stretch this Chelsea back line. So Chelsea win, reasonably comfortable, and they don't concede. Chelsea to win to nil is 1.9. Actually, I was going to ask you because the both teams to score pace 2.5 around, but you don't like that, right? Don't fancy it. Don't fancy it. Don't see it. I mean, who's going to score for Everton? How are they going to score? It would take a Chelsea balls up, and we do see that quite a lot, but it's not something I bet on. Okay, let's keep then Chelsea to win to nil, 1.9. And the last game is uh, Liverpool, Newcastle. Um, well, what to say about Liverpool, no? Seven consecutive victories in all competition. Last one, of course, they struggle a little bit more against Aston Villa, but also, I, again, checking the outright market, I would put my money on Liverpool to win the Premier League. I like the odds around four for them. Now, I guess they should beat comfortably this Newcastle, by the way. They have so tough calendar now. They have Liverpool, Man City, Man United and Everton. Yeah, this is the run my Newcastle get relegated. This is the run because there's no points coming for Newcastle anytime soon. They were walloped by Leicester a couple of days ago and they played okay. And when you're losing games heavily, the performances drop and the, the results keep on coming. Look, Liverpool win this massively. This is at least 4 0. You know, that they, they, they came up against a Villa team at the weekend who are very well organised, who are fighting for a new manager and maybe could have got something from it. Uh, I just don't think Newcastle are going to be capable of having that defensive solidity for 90 minutes. There's, there's a chance here that half-time could just be 1-0 or 0-0. And it's a frustrating first 45. In the second half, as it goes on, Newcastle can't really make any changes of quality. Liverpool can. I expect Liverpool to press and press and press and press. 
Uh, maybe goalless at half-time and Liverpool win by a couple of goals. Decent bet here. Decent sandwich bet. I like those ones. Um, but I'd be looking here for Liverpool. I mean, they've got Mo Salah, who scores every week. They've got Diogo Jota, who scores most weeks. Uh, Thiago's in good form. Fabinho protecting the back four. Jordan Henderson playing fantastically well. Robertson, Alexander-Arnold fit. You know, things are all fitting into place nicely for Liverpool. I make you absolutely right. The Liverpool are a very good bet for the Premier League title right now. And I'd certainly fancy them more than Man City if there wasn't an Africa Cup of Nations coming. That's the big caveat here. No Salah, no Mane uh, for January and summer February could be huge. Could be huge for Liverpool. Might not, but could be. Um, and it could be a two, three point title win this season. And you lose one of those games in January because Salah wasn't there. And, you know, that's the way it goes. But in this particular game, double it up with a Salah goal. Do that every week at the moment and do that until he stops scoring. So probably do it every week. Liverpool win by at least three goals and Salah scores. They don't concede. That's how you make some money, huh? We have Asian handicap minus 2.5 for Liverpool. Odds are very low, actually, 2.05. But if we go draw at halftime and Liverpool to win at full time, something that you said, odds are 4.6. That's uh, good money. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, actually, if we go for that, then, Tom, let's make an ACA for these games we have in the midweek. Yeah, a little bit daring this week. Uh, Manchester United are going to win. I, I, I think that they will be able to get the better of Brentford in the end. Uh, Chelsea will pick up victory because of, of the weakness of their opponent, Everton. Liverpool will thrash Newcastle. But you've got to get something in there to make it a bit interesting. To get it above 5-1, to one, throw Aston Villa in there as well. The Dean Smith derby against Norwich. And as you know, always back Norwich to lose. That's my tip for the season. And that's my acca for this round. And the total odds for this uh, for this ACA is 5.53. Then, Tom, I will miss you until Friday, but luckily I will see you very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. So now you have all the tips and predictions for this match day in the middle of the week. Let me know what you think. Do you agree with Tom's tips? Let me know in the comment section and don't forget, press the like button. Subscribe to our channel and click on the bell to get notifications. Or also, if you prefer, we have a podcast for you. See you soon. Enjoy the Premier League.